If you would like to support the podcast and get some extra content while you're there, head on over to patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast and sign up. From the rewatch to the Q&A, we will have loads of content every week. So sign up, patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast. And now, here's the podcast. Graham McDonald is an idiot. Sean Sheehan of severemma.com. He even has the audacity to call himself the quote-unquote pod god. This is Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. The Severe MMA podcast is finally here. Welcome to the Severe MMA podcast. Here's your host, Sean Sheehan. Welcome, welcome everybody. It's episode 364 of the Severe MMA podcast. My name is Sean Sheehan, joined today by Ian O'Neill as Graham McDonald is away with a bit of a, a bit of a bug, a bit of flu, to talk about a, um, not the busiest week in the world of mixed martial arts. Let's, let's not lie to our beautiful listeners here. It was a quite enough week, but uh, we have some things to talk about, some fights to talk about, some fights next week. Actually, there's no UFC next week, but look. We'll, uh, we'll talk about something anyway. You never know what we'll start bleeding on about. But anyway, we must tell you, before we get into all of that MMA talk, this episode of the podcast is presented by Manscaped. And sweaty sack summer is approaching, and it's time for you to prioritize the comfort of your crotch. That's why they go, Jesus, lads, these are getting worse. That's why the game... The Kings of Crotch Comfort Manscaped has spent two years designing uh, the most comfortable boxer briefs out there. Uh, I've had the horror of testing out uh, these new box... Uh, horror, sorry. Honor. Honor. <laughs> that's that's my feet the worst read of my life. I've had the honor of testing out these new boxers, and I can say it's the softest fabric of any underwear. So breathable that it's like gills for your groin. They've even trademarked the jewel pouch TM. So you know it's serious. I think it's about time you invest in your family jewels. So let your bulge breed and get 20% off and free shipping with the code SEVEREMMA at manscaped.com. Let's say you're on a day, right? And your partner can't ch- catches that Manscaped waistband on your own underwear. It's almost guaranteed to raise eyebrows and act like a billboard on the highway to Pleasure Town. Uh, this is thanks to the Mon- Lawnmower 4.0, the best electric uh, below-the-waist trimmer you can get. Not even close. Trimmers, uh, The trimmer offers skin-safe technology, that's also a TM, uh, designed to uh, trim hair on loose skin. Outside of just ball trimming, they're now focusing their efforts on helping out your tie slappers in other ways uh, with the game-changing boxers. These boxers, uh, they include uh, the uh, jowl, jewel pouch TM. Uh, a pouch designed to cradle your balls in their own special space lined with perforated performance fabric to help them stay well ventilated basically just imagine your balls sipping pina coladas chilling on the hammock on a beautiful warm tropical beach the micro model fabric is buttery soft and breathable who wants butter in their balls keeping your cucumber cool oh man hold on the cucumber walk run strut those moisture wicking boxers breathe without breaking a sweat the tagless waistband oh that's brilliant i hate fucking tags uh hugs your body without digging in and it lays flat against your skin to reduce chafing the front fly opening who uses the front fly no one uses that uh, anyway i'm sure it's great sorry manscaped i apologize uh it gives easy access and makes bathroom breaks quick and efficient i actually wonder do people actually use that front thing because like 
I don't think anyone does, but I might be wrong. Maybe I'm like the, the 5% that doesn't actually use it, but I don't think anyone uses the, the front flap and any boxers. Anyway, you can choose from your arrange, uh, arrangement of designs and colors and sizes arranged from small to 3XL. Very good for all of my big guys out there too. So get 20% off and free shipping with the code SEVEREMMAMANSCAPED.COM. That's 20% off and free shipping with that code SEVEREMMAMANSCAPED.COM. Once the boxers uh, 2.0 touch your sack, you'll never go back. Right, Ian. Let's uh, let's get straight into the UFC altogether, and we'll start at the at the top two fights: Holly Holm versus Ketlin Vieira and Michelle Pejea versus Santiago uh, Ponzinibbio. The rest of the cards, you know, we'll go through a little bit in in a while, but not not the most amazing card in the world. Um, but two split decisions to <laughs> to close out the card. We seem to always talk about judging on this, although the. You know, the judging I don't think was a a big issue on, on either of these. We had two very close rounds in the Pahia Ponzinibbio fight. We'll get to that second. But in the Vieira home fight, it felt like it was nearly five close rounds. It was a very, very close fight. I did score two to Inter in the fifth, and I gave Holly Holm the fifth. Uh, but there was lots of those rounds I was kind of humming and hand on. A really bad fight, I would say, for the first three rounds. And then I kind of woke up a bit for the last two and, and was somewhat enjoyable then. But the kind of... and I, Like, somewhat enjoyable compared to the first three rounds, <laughs> maybe compared to anything else. Maybe not, especially the fight before it. But uh, it was a good battle, I suppose you would put it that way. Um, and uh, Kelly Vieira came out the, the other side of it. How, how did you see the fight overall, I suppose, before we get to the scoring even? Um... I thought exactly as as what you're thinking, Sean. As a close fight, uh, you could have scored the rounds anyway at all. I mean, it's one of those fights where you could have three different scores. We we did, but especially in the co-main event, they had one 30-27 card, and I could see that as well. But when rounds are super close like that, they really can go anyway. And um, sometimes people just don't understand the discrepancies, but that's what happens in close rounds. I thought for me, the story of the fight was Holly Holm didn't look herself at all. To be honest, I think she lacked a little bit of its explosiveness. She lacked some footwork and um, her striking was off tonight. Uh, that, that brilliant front uh, sidekick that she always has in her locker wasn't there tonight. And, she kind of looked a shadow of her former self really after being out for 19 months and going through some health difficulties and injuries as well. And it really showed tonight um, for me. And I thought, you know, to be honest, Vieira nearly fucked that fight away on herself tonight. I think that that fight was there for the taking for Vieira and I had it scored for Holly Holm as well. So um, I had a 2-2 going into round five and the same as yourself. I just gave Holly Holm the last round as well. But yeah, I think the UFC are going to be happy with the result again anyway because they're going to be able to push Vieira into that kind of title shot now rather than giving home another chance and I don't think she probably would have beaten anyone at a higher level Pena or Nunes at this stage of her career. Yeah, I I, I, I definitely agree with the, the fact the UFC will, will be happier. Like, will home give a better account of herself or, or will Vieira give a better account of herself? I could say a Pena, I think Nunes maybe not, but... I, no, I, it's just more so a new a new name. It that's is exactly it really, isn't it? exactly a new name, and that's what they want there. I, do you know what? Uh, as I was watching the fight, I was 
I, I had in my mind 40 years of age because we talked about it in the preview show and you know I, I said that like don't don't forget that when you're watching the fight but also the time out of the cage I think was a big part of it um I think Holly Holm showed flashes to give her maybe another fight in terms of like where will she be and what will she look like on her next one like is it more ring rust or her being shot and now I wouldn't even say she was shot per se I think the fact I, I think Paul Felder said it very well she's like a, a little step slower maybe than she was uh, once before and now I'll say again is that the time off or is it the age and look it's let's be honest it's probably a combination of both the one thing that really stood out to me and you mentioned the footwork there, and it's funny because in, in that previous show as well, we talked a little bit about footwork, and, you know, Harry was kind of saying the footwork of home and the, the way she fights is a big part of it, and I agree, but I also kind of laid the point out there that a lot of it is kind of um, footwork for the sake of moving and for the sake of being defensively sound, which is fine in itself, you know, if you want to do that, if that's your game plan, I think that's a game plan other people should probably do as well. But there was, there was very little of that from Holly Holm tonight. Like, the fundamental Holly Holm game, if you look at it, is lots of circling, very good defensively, and stopping people from kind of cutting off the cage on her. The, what was it? Eight of the first 12 minutes were in the clinch. So, like, yeah, crazy. someone who is an expert at stopping people from basically get, getting into the clinch. Look at Ronda Rousey. You know, that was the reason she beat Ronda Rousey. She spent the vast majority of the first you know half of that fight in the clinch and that is that is a big fundamental change in how a, a fighter fights that's a big fundamental change in how like a world level uh, you know world champion in the UFC uh, is fighting now compared to where they were in their in their pomp and now that is hard like when you're when you're looking at it right and you're you're thinking about is it um uh, is it ring rust or is it age? The further I got into the fight, the more I was thinking it's age. At the start, I was thinking maybe mm. she needs to get going. But the further it went, the less she did it, I, th- I think it was age. Now, having said that... I think it was a lack of confidence, maybe, as well. Yeah. Whether what, what, that has, what has come from her lack of confidence, only she will know. But it was like she was initiating the clinches herself and she felt obviously stronger in those positions. But like in those positions it's very hard to win rounds when you're in that because you're not really landing any scoring shots in the clinch you're only landing the pitter patter and more over and back and the small knees and the small rabbit punches and stuff like that and I think at the start of that fight there was an exchange between the two of them and I don't know maybe after that when uh, Vieira kind of initiated the clinch Holly Holm got the better of that exchange and she probably felt strong in that clinch and she chose to, like you said, she chose to stay in that position for the majority of rounds one, two and three. And maybe she was choosing to do that because what we've seen in rounds four and rounds five was in the boxing exchanges. She was getting outboxed by Vera, which to me was pretty mind blowing as well, like because we've never really seen that with Holly Holm. Like we spoke about it on the preview as well about her excellent defense and that comes with her footwork as well. And that, and that comes with her not getting hit. She got hit quite a bit tonight. And, you know, we we will always speculate about how fighters are feeling or how fighters are looking and stuff like that. But they they do know. They know how they're performing in the gym. They know how they feel when they're inside the octagon. And I just think that overall, Holly Holm was just off tonight. And I think that was clear to see. And I think that was kind of her mentality as well. And it kind of took away from her performance. And... Yeah. It boils down to what you're saying. 
is it age, is it time out of the cage, or is it both? And it's more than likely both. Yeah, because if you look at the first three rounds, and like if we're talking about the decision and if it was right or wrong or whatever, and it was look, it was very close. I think the second round, Vieira won that with uh, I, I called it a bulldog choke. I don't know if it was a bulldog choke or not, but like uh, you know, uh, a bit of a rear naked choke with no hooks or anything like that. And she almost had her there. Looked really bad. Looked like it was getting towards the end of the fight, and that was the most uh, effective piece of striking or grappling in that second round so she won that round in my mind I, I, we may be able to pull up the scorecards here but literally recording this right after the fight and in the first and third as you kind of alluded to there she was landing shots but maybe not massive and she was there was lots of clinches and i tweeted after the fight if you have 10 minutes of a 25 minute fight in the clinch you have no one but yourself to blame you know you were kind of saying maybe Kellen Vieira left it behind herself I think home left it behind herself in certain ways too like you need to work more in that clinch and she you know she was doing bits and pieces in the clinch this wasn't Logan Storley MVP by any means she was throwing shots and she was throwing little kicks but not enough not enough you know immediately impactful nothing big um, and when you're in that sort of position and your opponent's throwing a few there as well if Especially, I thought the fifth round was a great example of like how the effect of Vieira's shots were way more than the effect of home shots. Even though, like, home landed those big front kicks to the face and, and things like that. Or not, sorry, the fourth, not the fifth, sorry, the fourth. Uh, in the fifth, home landed those, uh, those front kicks to the face. And I, I thought that fourth was a very good round for Vieira. But could you see, like, especially the third, maybe, could you see the judges giving her that based on maybe horror shots being more effective or the fifth? I could see that. Even the first. I, I think the first was more so for home, but it was... Yeah, look, it was I have the scorecard. I have the scorecards here, actually. Go so, on, lash it at us. Um, so let's, we'll start with round one first. So round one, Mike Bell scored a 10-9 to Holly Holm. Uh, Derek Cleary, 10-9 to home. And Sally Amato, 10-9 to home. Round two Sounds was 10-9 to Vieira. 10-9 to Vieira. And 10-9 to Vieira. Sounds round myself. three... Yeah, same. Uh, I would be the same as that. Round three would be a round that I would have gave to Holly Holm. Me too, yeah. But Mike Bell scored it 10-9 to Vieira. Derek Cleary scored it for Vieira. And Sal Diamata scored it to Holly Holm. Yeah, you could and see then, that. It was a very close yeah. round. That's what we're talking about. They're so fucking close rounds. And you know what I mean? It's just sometimes, and especially when you're in the clinch, it's you're, you could be talking about one exchange in a round that could literally yeah. win you that round. Well, you know, well, and we would have the fourth, the fourth round. It was bet. Mike Bell had a 10, nine to Vieira. They're clearly 10, nine to Vieira and Saldi Amato, 10, nine to Vieira. These, and then all, all of cars. them scored for it. Yeah. yeah. All, all trees who the fifth for uh, Vieira everyone, won. everyone scored the fifth. For uh, Holly Home. Oh, for Holly Home. Oh, okay. Did those cards add up? So it was Tory went down to the third round. Yeah, that's kind of what we were we were kind of saying there. Yeah, so I agreed with all of them on one, two, four, and five. So it did come down yeah. to that third round. Maybe it was the the difference was round three between yeah. and Mike Bell and Derek Cleary scored that for Ketlin Vieira yeah. and Saldi Amato scored it for Holly Holmes. So, so. Don't, don't, that's pretty good judging in a fight like that to be fair. That there's is. only one round, that's only one round spin. Yeah, so that's very, very good. And we you know, even before I saw the card there, we were talking about the third round maybe being the one that they're uh, that they're split on. And like even I tweeted uh, I had a twenty nine twenty eight home after a close third and there really wasn't much in it. And it, like it does come down to maybe whose shots you like the most, who has the, the greatest uh, effect on them. Because 
you could see, and it's all about where the judges mm-hmm. are sitting too. I mean, we, I, you know, you sent me on the link to to sit in on that California State Athletic Commission meeting where you, the you score rounds and they talk about it as well. And you know that topic was brought up, um, and yeah, it comes straight from the horse's mouth. Like you had Saldi Matter, you had other judges, Derek Cleary, saying that you know I felt where I was sitting. I think they were talking about the Collier and Arlovsky fight. He said that I thought where I was sitting that. Arlovsky scored the better punches or Collier scored the better punches well it could be basically down to where the action was taking place tonight in the cage where Derek Cleary and Mike Bell were sitting or I don't know it's like where you're sitting what you can see uh, what you can hear with the impact as well you know that that all bears an effect on the judges as well yeah 100% um yeah, it it really could it really could have come down to one miss punching around like that, and you know, overall the fight itself it, it was just it was a bit drab. As I said, the the first half of it not great, and the second half a little bit better. Um, the two of them underperformed, in my opinion. I know I yeah. kind of concentrated a little bit on on Vieira, but on on home, but I think Vieira definitely underperformed, and that's what I was kind of alluding to earlier on. I think that if I think she probably didn't perform to the best of her ability. Um, maybe it was the occasion. Maybe it was the fact she was fighting a former champion. It was a huge fight for her and practically would seal a title shot. So maybe the nerves got the better. I thought she was a little bit gun shy. I thought uh, the same. Like, yeah. it was one of those fights where home was there to strike with, if you get me. And like as, as you said earlier on, she was winning those striking ex- exchanges later, uh, Vieira was, when they got into a striking exchange. Like, it's 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 weird to think what Vieira's game plan actually was. Like, what did she have, like, one set game plan that was to stop the circling of Holly Holm? And then Holly Holm came out, there was no circling, and Vieira didn't know what to do. Like, that maybe, you know, maybe I've hit the nail yeah. in the head there. <laughs> thinking about it. It. And she just she panicked. figured it out. Yeah. <laughs> she just panicked, and it became... Just 10 minutes of fucking clinching and just... I would have loved uh, to have a heart monitor on Andre Pedaneris during that he fight. Gone he mad. was going he lost absolutely <laughs> nuts. <laughs> he was going nuts in the corner. Uh, he was keep giving the uh, Nevada State Athletic Commissioner a full-time job keeping him down in his seat in the corner. It was so funny looking at him. He was going crazy. Yeah. Uh, and I love the way he said, come out in the fifth. You know, come out in the fifth and go for it and go and get the, yeah. the finish. And it's funny. You need to be talking to a fighter like that anytime, whether yeah. a fighter wins or loses or, you know, you have to be firing them up. Like, why you, you go out and you have to tell your fighter to win every round, no matter what's happening. Like, that's it. And I don't think coaches well. do that. I don't think coaches do that enough. I, lo- I love seeing that in the corner. He was getting animated. You know, sometimes fighters need that. They need that energy to feed off of as well and, 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 and snap back to reality in some ways. And, and I thought he did excellent in the corner tonight. Yeah, I agree. And as a, like some people might talk about, oh, open scoring, if we had open scoring. But I I like the fact that, you know, even with open scoring, without open scoring, if your opponent goes out there and finishes you, you know, then you still lose the fight. You might as well go out and try to finish them and try to win, win the fight or G them up to try to go out and finish up to win the fight. Like, don't, you know, people said don't leave it in the hands of the judges. Don't leave it in the hands of your opponent either who could go out and win the fight. You know, true, it's, true, it's, true. it's one of those. So. I suppose there, there isn't much more to say on that fight overall. Yeah, poor enough showing. As, as you're saying there, Ian, Kellen Vieira probably moves on. I want. What do you think for Holly Holm? Like, Vieira moves on to probably a, a title shot maybe after the, the Pena and... Uh, 
and uh, Nunes fighting. And you know what? She should sit out and wait out for that. She shouldn't be taking any more fights. We've seen what happened with, uh, you know, Jojo Calderwood when that happened to her that time. So just wait out. Uh, Holly Holm. What do you think Holly does now? Because, like, as, as I said, 40 years of age, been out of the cage for a good while. Um, she, okay, she won her last couple against Eileen Aldana and Jessica, or Raquel Pennington, but still, it's going to be a tough road back here for, for Holly Holm at this stage of her career. Would you like to see her hang up the hang up the gloves, or, or do you think she has more left in her? I definitely don't think she... <laughs> I definitely don't think she has another... Like she's not going to win the title again. I was going. I was going to say she doesn't have another title run in uh, in her. But to be honest, let, looking at that women's 135 division, it's very poor right now, and there is some very winnable fights in there for her. Like you're looking at the top of the division there. We have Peñas, the champion Nunes. You have Aldana, and then um, you have Raquel Pennington, Yana Kutsugaya, Aspen Ladd, Sarah McMahon. I mean. So there's a few based off tonight's performance, she might struggle against a few of those women, but you know, if she gets back and, and, and has a quick turnaround, she might get another win again. And I mean, one or two wins have you back really in title contention there, but where's her motivation at right now? Um, you know, she was the champion before she's had a very storied career, like let alone in her mixed martial arts career. She had a, a, a very long boxing career before that as well and has been fighting for 20 years. So those are the questions that she's going to have to be asking herself now. And, and you know, maybe she might just be happy to go into gatekeeper status and perhaps and, and, and maybe fight a couple of up-and-comers or, I don't know, couldn't, couldn't Skye, you could maybe put her in next to Couldn't Skye probably oh, stand and bang with her, but that'd be a terrible fight. <laughs> like, no, I mean, there's nothing, there's nothing great. Like, I mean, Holly Holm, notorious for not having exciting fights. Like, so, I mean, I think the answer to your question should be, yes, she should hang it up. Yeah, let's do it. Michelle Pereira versus Santiago Ponzinibbio. What a, what, no. a, what a fight this was. What a fight. Uh, Pejea came out and he was doing what he does, circling a lot, using up a lot of energy, even though he wasn't throwing his mad shit anymore, but he was swinging with right hands, throwing lovely jabs. I thought, you mentioned this on the preview show, Ian, about his fight with Andre Fialo, that he looked better technically, but I thought defensively, throughout the whole fight, I think, but especially in the first, in the first round. He looked, I thought he looked phenomenal. Pantanibio was throwing shots, landing, nothing. And the more the f- kind of the first round went on, the, the, uh, the more Pejea took over because Pantanibio was, he, he was, he found it hard to throw because of what Pejea was throwing. And then also found it hard to keep throwing because what he was throwing wasn't landing because of Pejea's uh, defense being so good. Now the fight changed a little bit in the second round, but that first round for Pejea and the fight in general, in good one, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. I, I I actually thought that, to be honest, overall, he performed better against Vihalio than he did tonight because, uh, look, maybe that was down to the level, level of competition. I think Vihalio came in and on short notice for that fight, perhaps, and, and, and didn't apply as much pressure that Pop Ponzinibbio was applying tonight. But um, I was massively impressed with him. And what we've seen in that Fialo fight is what we've seen in the first round tonight against Ponzinibbio. Very elusive, um, very good footwork. Shot selection was brilliant. 
um, landing with power as well and, and, and rattling and hurting Ponzinibbio, not allowing Ponzinibbio to get into boxing range because that's where Ponzinibbio wants to get. It was a battle of ranges tonight. What I would have liked to have seen a little bit more from Pejera tonight is, is that he has a beautiful teep to the body, front kick to the body that he uses to gauge that distance because he's a fighter that likes to fight on the outside and use his length. And, and, you know, he's long legs, long arms, and, and he's happy fighting on the back foot on the outside and exploding in with some shots. And he did it excellently in round one um, tonight and did it quite well for halfway or two round two until his gas tank started to let him down a little bit. And that's when we kind of seen the fight change. And we did mention it on the preview show as well, you know, the fact that I, I, I had said, OK, we're not seeing him. Don't. The cartwheel count, that's what I like to call it for Pejera, has gone zero. down. <laughs> it was zero tonight. It was one no. in, his, in the Fialo fight. It was down to zero tonight. So what we're learning about Pejera is the further he goes up the rankings, the less cartwheels he's confident of throwing. So, uh, But that's a good thing because you know, I would have been of the opinion that he needed to sacrifice the exciting factor out of his game. Um, number one, to win fights. Number two, to save on his gas tank. But you can afford to do that when you fight like that, like the way he fought tonight. And and the end result was still exciting and he didn't have to do any fucking handstands or backflips or cartwheels or anything. It's a fight that everyone will remember. But the questions will remain with Pejera is what is he going to do about his gas tank? It's a because big flaw. It's a big issue. And Massive. what he doesn't need right now, and he's coming into that territory where he's probably going to be lined up for maybe a couple of five-round fights, but I'd be keeping him a mile away from five-round fights for the time being, at least, anyway, until he can figure it out. He's a big guy. He looked huge in there tonight. Um, how tough is the cut for him? That might take it out of him a bit. Um, my, I, will he be able to correct his gas tank? I mean, he he's kind of made the adjustment not to throw any wild shit or explosive stuff anymore because... Yeah, obviously that was affecting them, but we did see him kind of fade tonight as well. And and to me, that would be a huge worry because he's in the rankings now. He beat Ponsonibio, who's in 14, so he's going to be in the rankings next week. So the, the, the tough tests are going to stay coming and coming and coming, but it, it, it's all well and good doing it and, and performing well, but you have to be able to do it from the far starting bell to the finish bell. And I didn't see that tonight, and it would be a major flaw that he has and that I'd be raising the red flag, especially uh, on his progress up the rankings due to his yeah. gas tank. Yeah, I, I would tend to agree with that. Like, I, I think if you look at that fight tonight, you look at Pahia and you see all that's great and all, and all that's bad at him, if we're, if we're being honest, because he comes out, he has that great first round. He does what he needs to do. Also, as well, let me just say this as well. The small cage is a big, massive issue for Michel Pea. His game fundamentally changes in that small cage in terms of the amount of cardio he has to exude to get off his game. The bigger cage is definitely going to work better for him. But anyway, we'll, we'll leave that there for a second. Um, I, I Look, when you look at it and you get into the second round and he gets tired, that circling just stops. His ability to evade just stops, and he's standing in the middle of the cage, and then from seven, minute seven almost to the end of the fight, it turned into, a little bit later now, so actually probably minute eight until the end of the fight, it turned into Michel Pejea and Santiago Ponzinibbio 
just going at each other in the middle of the cage. There was no circling. The circling went. It was just gone. There was a few leg kicks. There was a few punches and stuff. Like, he has seven minutes in him in that cage, and that's all he has right now in this sort of fight. And that, <laughs> that is, that is not, um, that's not good for him going forward, especially, when, like, they were suggesting Sean Brady tonight. God almighty, if he doesn't put oh, Sean no. Brady out of there in seven minutes, he is absolutely fucked. Well, like, I, I would like to see a few adjustments from Pahea. Like, I think he needs to be more intelligent fighting off the back foot. Um, two things I need, I think he needs to do more. Jab and use his footwork rather than... I, I, we talked about it myself and Harry on the previous show about Kellen v, or about um, Holly Holm. It's the movement and circling for the sake of circling versus the actual movement and footwork to get away from stuff. Pontinibio has, or, uh, uh, has really improved at that with his uh, uh, hands defensively. I think he needs to improve his feet the next uh, next time, and that's going to keep uh, his cardio in check. As I said, the jab as well, to jab out from when he's up against the cage, and he needs to throw more of those Superman punches where he bounces off the cage. Now, that might seem like, oh, well, you just want to see fancy shots, but it really helps. I remember talking to Ian Gary about his fight against um, Rasta McMahon, and he was talking about jabbing off the back uh, foot when your man pushes push him back. Let him push me back, and I'll make him pay for that. You have to fight out of that position. And I think Pierre should be using that to his advantage. Let lads come in. Let lads push him against the cage. And then Superman punch him off that and fucking knock him out. It, he has the length to do it as well. Absolutely. Like. I, I, and you said the front kick. I think he threw the front kick a lot. But as you said in the second round, he stopped throwing it. I think that was out of tiredness, tiredness as well. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It's, yeah. it's a massive issue for him. And uh, as someone who's had a few fights with themselves... What do you think he does? Like, how does he change it? How does... I, I don't... Uh, also, one big thing as well. That weight cut is just massive for him. He is so oh, big. Huge. That can't be helping him. But I, I don't think he's the type of lad who doesn't put 100% into getting his cardio right up there. It's just his natural makeup, the weight cut, his size, and the way he fights all leading to it being a massive issue. Is there anything he can do to, to alleviate that? Well, you just have to be like you said, more efficient when efficient when you are moving on the back foot, like working off that jab, uh, keeping the distance and dictating. I mean, if you know, like, and I think he's somewhat made those kind of adjustments or is in the process of making those adjustments right now. You know, not throwing as much wild explosive shots, flying knees or cartwheel kicks and stuff like that. That was an adjustment that he needed to make. You know, the man is what 28 years of age as well he's still he he's probably coming into the prime of his career right now and he does have some time to work out some of these kinks but when it comes to the gas tank i think it's such good i think that that cut must be such a big cut for him i don't know what you can do maybe he he might have to go on to the mcgregor fast program or something like that i'm not too sure what he can do uh, to kind of solve that but, Give him a um, fucking pile of EPO. Just no. lack of Get Lance Armstrong to start fucking training him. That's it. Get, <laughs> Fuck you, get him, get, him in, get him in contact there with uh, Chael Sonnen or someone yeah, like that. And, uh, I think I think it's inevitable what's going to happen. And, and I think the progress in, in Michel Pereira's career and what we're going to see is that he's going to hit his ceiling in the welterweight division. And that is probably somewhere down I'd say he'd be doing well to get in and be a regular in the top 10 in the welterweight division I think he will 
he will have some fun fights, but will fall short and then inevitably move up to the middleweight division. And then the fun starts again. I was actually I think, thinking that. What about him yeah. versus fucking Chidi and Jokowani? What a fucking fight that oh, would be. Yeah, unreal. I think like we were talking about Sean Brady, who we should fight next. I'm looking at, I'm looking at like him being only 28. There's no rush. Let's give him time to develop. Stick him in there with someone like Jeff Neal next. Oh, like, all right. Even and well, Magni, Magni fucking drowned. Magni is just gonna wrestle him. <laughs> so no, keep him away. Keep him away from Magni. Who else is in there? Uh, Wonderboy. I'd like to see him fight Wonderboy. Yeah, that that right. would that would be a good fight actually. And but then, yeah, Jesus, I tell you, if he got past Wonderboy, it's 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 killers row after that for him. So you know a fight I'd watch. Michelle Peher versus Paul Daly. How about it? Let, oh let's, my let's god! Bring him back! Bring him back! Bring him back! Come on, a bit of Simtex. Oh, I'd watch that. I'd watch I love Peher it. Fight. I love it with Simtex that it was his retirement fight, and then next day he had a statement out saying, uh, "Might not be my last fight." It's like la- you couldn't last one day, Paul. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, typical MMA. Typical MMA. Anyway, let's move on down the car. We want Steph Rage at it, but Chidi and Jaquani, that elbow. Just massive. Like, Chidi's been around for a long time. And may- maybe, you know, the, the Njikoani family is not... Uh, I, I don't know. Maybe they disappeared uh, there for a while. But I think fans of MMA, like myself and you, who have been at it for a decade or more, know these Njikoani brothers, know how exciting they can be. I, I, You know, Chidi was a guy who, we've, you know, he's nearly 30 fights into his career now. And... For a while, we probably thought, oh, he'd never make it here, or he was, you know, he did well. He was in Bellator and other places as well, but he maybe never get to the UFC. He looks a guy now who can have a career in the UFC. You know, he's two, um, one knockout, was it two knockouts now? Then the one in the Contender Series as well. He almost got a submission tonight. He's, um, you know, Todorovic wrestled him a bit, but landed absolutely nothing. And I thought uh, Injikwani yeah, was actually winning the round. Black belt in jujitsu as well, I believe. Well, and um, yeah, well, I mean, yeah, well, I, I mean, yeah, McDonald's packets jujitsu. It's definitely better than mine and yours, anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. What, what belt were you in jujitsu? <laughs> oh, no, I didn't even. I did all no gi, so uh, I didn't even get the real yeah. Stuff, yeah, yeah, yeah. Pajama fighting stuff. Well, anyway. I wouldn't have probably. I would be probably lucky to have gotten into a blue belt at the time. I'd say, but maybe I'm thinking about going back at it now. So maybe. <laughs> I, I've always had a kind shots. of an egg in my ass to get back at it, so it's kind of. Were you a striker so when you were fighting? You were. Yeah, I, mo- I, 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 I did, I did like this, this fun standing and banging, and I had surprisingly good power, to be honest. Um, but I, you know, I, I was always fighting bigger guys, and I always tended to kind of try and grapple them, but. Uh, I was probably like I stopped fighting and stayed training and probably ended up getting a like better fighter I just didn't compete so because I took one too many shots to the head you're fucking mm. right today we have that fucking shit I was going to say one too many concussions but about six or seven too many oh, concussions Jesus now. Christ oh, yeah. <laughs> there's, a, there's a few fighters going around with that as well if we're being honest what yeah, that yeah. I'm already stupid enough I don't need to be uh, fucking I'm already resting I'm already resting I'm already anyway he'll keep going sure what, what about this Ricci Vienna fight unanimous decision I was half watching it who cares uh the anders park fight this is another one people are kind of talking about a bit of a contentious decision um anders spent so much of this fight just like laying against park um and at the end of it i I, it wasn't one of those ones where i was scoring really closely but it was one of those fights you watch it and i was kind of half thinking like 
is this guy who's done so much clinching and nothing with the clinch is going to win this fight? And in the end, he didn't. It's it's a thing as well, right? Some people think, or, or it's, you know, whoever's looking at the fight, you're thinking, okay, they're clinching, they're winning that fight. But if you spend 10 minutes fucking clinching, you're actually giving yourself less of an opportunity to win the fight with everything else that happens and just holding a neutral position for that whole time it it baffles me how did you score this fight did you it was a close fight obviously you know part didn't do that much either it could have gone either way but you know anders it felt like was anti-fighting more than him yeah it was one of those tough ones to to score i think i might have scored it for anders uh 29 28 i can't remember i'd have to look back maybe i didn't even score it on twitter but i remember thinking that anders probably done just enough to win but he just went in and fought his typical fight that he's been doing Lately, he just wants to close the distance and and clinch and and win a boring fight. But um, I thought that Park put uh, put like together much more of a challenge and and caused a lot more problems than I thought he was going to with Anders. Even though Anders is kind of uh, his career is kind of teetering out a little bit right now. But um, I mean, it's one of those ones where I'm not going to be argumentative or upset decision going either which way it was just one of those close fights similar enough to the main event i mean we're going to see that time and time again if you spend time in the clinch it could literally be one exchange in the, in a round that could win it for you and Anders um, needs to go at the pfl i didn't get yeah. a great time over send there round, you know what's going to happen you're going they're going to send him down to florida and he'll be fighting in the co-main event of eagle fc oh that's a like fucking that. fact <laughs> That's what's going to be happening. Him versus uh, Andrew Sanchez. That's going to be happening. Or him versus Rashad Evans. How about that? Are oh, there you Rashad go. Evans? Yeah, I love it. That feels like a fight that's already happened. Let me click, let me click into Eric Anders' thing here. Has he fought Rashad Evans? Uh, he hasn't. Has he? No. He fought Leona Machida. Maybe that's what I was thinking of. He lost to Leona Machida. Oh, yeah. Jesus Christ. That was Should the look. close split. That was like kind of the beginning of the end for Eric Anders. He, I uh, remember you went... <laughs> He's Eric Anders is just your prototypical like do you know what he might be bad and then he just changes his game because he loses a couple of fights and just pushing lads against the cage and just boring and I think he could have won that like I think there was a I remember there being a bit of controversy around that Leo Machida split decision like it was a split decision down in Brazil I almost I almost can think back that I think everyone was saying that it was a dodgy decision down in Brazil for, for Machida that time but I mean, Anders used to be very uh, attack-minded. Um, it's gone now. It's just gone. He just wants to. He just wants to win in a non-entertaining way right now, just to get that win bonus. Perhaps I don't know what his contract is, but I mean that that having that, that show bonus, that win bonus, I guarantee you that affects fighters' performances as well. Because when you're talking about half your pay and getting the win, I mean especially fighters like Anders and uh, and guys who are coming up that are not making that much money, you're going to be wanting to win the fight. And if you have to do it in a non-entertaining way, then that's what you're going to do because yeah. at the end of the day, it's half your fucking pay. Like. You got half the pay in a shitty fight tonight anyway. I lose for all poor old Eric. <laughs> probably get caught after this as well, but sure look, these things happen in MMA. Eagle, uh, Eagle FC. Eagle, Eagle FC. FC. Sign him up. Sign him up. 
Jane Lynch there for three rounds. Joe Daddy Holmes, his name is not Daddy, but I'm calling him that anyway. He, he made light work of Alan Amadovsky, our guy, ended up rear naked choking him. Fuck, he let us down. He let yeah, us down. We built down. him up on the preview, Anbar man. Triple A. Triple A, not good. Anbar Amadovsky, next time we do it. What about Jelton Almeida, though? This guy... I oh, yes. it. Yes. future UFC light heavyweight champion he could be I'm not saying he will be but he he's a fucking animal oh my god my, my TKO KO bet I was thinking about <laughs> you I guarantee you I was like I'd love to be a fly on the wall oh, in Sean Sheen's living room right now because you're so telling mad. him to land those shots not go for the choke I've been there time and time again when you're putting bets on um, I, I actually didn't bet him, but it was one of my bets for the week, and I should yeah. I was should have bet him. Well, I should, I'm right, I didn't, but it was like <sighs> he what well, he had him down for around four minutes, maybe, and I would say about two and three quarter minutes of that, he was actually hitting him with really good shots, and he was up in the pace, up in the pace, up in the pace. I was like, okay, this is like obviously going to end here now. Get towards the end of the round, you know, 35, 25 seconds left, and what's he do? He fucking slaps on the choke, and in about two seconds, he, he submits him. So it's about fucking four and a half minutes of uh, of knocking the lad out, and in two seconds of submitting him, and your man taps. But well, it was quite. Uh, it was. I think it was obvious to quite a few people that it was going to end on the ground, and then you're just. It's the flip of the coin, really, isn't it? Like, yeah. is he going to go for I the sub? Is he going to run that way a few times? He was a great yeah. man. TKO. And shout out to uh, shout out to. Harry Williams that was his pick first round uh, first round win was it for Chitty though it was Chitty and Jaquani oh, no, yeah. Chitty yeah no sorry one. it was the last great fight one. yeah last fight it was a good, great shout yeah great shout or if you're not signed up on Patreon we're doing this new thing every Friday we put out our bets from five or six of us of the staff literally just post our bet and what three or four of them won tonight and big money three, bets yeah. like plus yeah, 200 plus 195 like, yeah I was the, the decision for Pajera 195 um, Harry's one was shit, I'm going to have to get I'll get up here real Harry, quick Harry's one was like plus 375 or something like that wasn't it yeah it was a, that was a good one yeah, yeah. the staff bets so, here now. yeah Harry's one was plus 290 and then what was the other one um, yeah Quilcha had one up for um, Jonathan Martinez by decision yes. by plus 20 so all plus Very prices beautiful. all of our pe- uh, Patreon subscribers are, are are loaded now they'll be able to re-sign on for, for loads of months that's so indeed fair, yeah. and if you haven't sign up for next week they'll be out every week every Friday if I can get these fuckers send them into me anyway uh, Medic, oh, <laughs> what a what a lovely knockout for uh, for Medic. Just the uh, sound, the sound of those left hooks that he landed were I I don't know. I de- I can definitely t- say that Morales had his sweet abix this morning because I don't know how he didn't Unbelievable go out. Unbelievable chin on that man! Oh my god! Oh, he got hit with three absolutely titanic fucking tectonic left hooks and he wasn't even it was a good stoppage and all it was grand it was a great he stoppage. wasn't out he was he was okay like, he was still going like what the fuck are you made of Jesus Christ crazy oh, Morales, uh, we, like, we need to make a nickname that's the kind him. of that's the kind of punch that when it lands like everybody stops what they're doing yeah and turns around to see what the hell is going on here the noise out of it the crack from it and it was like three in a row as well and Jesus just buckled the legs of Morales I was like wow crazy yeah. crazy knockout but Medic you know, he looked good. He's only losses to Jalen Turner, who is a really great prospect in the lightweight division. So there's no shame in that. We said that on the preview show ourselves. 
and uh, yeah, Medic looks like another good prospect in the lightweight division, and uh, you know, good power and uh, very promising. So it'll be exciting to see yeah. his progression. Indeed. Uh, I want just a quick give the result. John and Martinez won pretty good uh, fight there, and he called out Frank Edgar. Sam Hughes won and got the finish, and called out DC afterwards. It was great because DC is a fucking idiot. Uh, Chase Hooper. I want to talk about Chase Hooper. I've a, I've a lot of thoughts on this. To be honest, I want to get your thoughts first. Though. What do you think of the performance from Chase Hooper tonight, and overall his game and where he is as a fighter? Um, his performance tonight was decent. Um, he made some improvements. He looked actually all right on the feet, much better in comparison than what we've seen before. And I think that he could have probably chosen to stand a little bit longer, but he was he was wanted to get the takedown and there was lots of scrambles there. It was over and back. I think that I thought tonight that he went rushed a lot of his uh, a lot of the groundwork and was trying to force the submission and maybe a little bit too much and it kind of cost him uh, certain positions as well. Um, like definitely we've seen some improvements for Chase Hooper, but I mean, there's still a long way to go with him. Um, yeah. It's... I don't know. And I don't know if, I don't know if the UFC is the right place for him right now to make those mm-hmm. developments. It's very difficult. to <laughs> It's very difficult to analyze Chase Uber without being too critical from, from my side. Um, uh, because there's there's plus points, but there's so many <laughs> minus points for him it, at, at this stage of his career. Like we talked about it in the previous show, and he did well to win this fight. I didn't think he would win this fight, honestly. And Kolaris is a tough guy, but also like probably the worst person in that division. Like it was between yeah, him and Chase Hooper. I think he's a, like it, not a good. Kolaris fighter. is very tough. And and he's but I was impressed about Hooper. He kind of outgritted him and out toughed him in certain ways tonight. Yes, which I didn't um, think he would do. I didn't like that impressed fight. me. Yeah, that impressed me a lot. And I was also impressed that he he went for the finish as well, and he was pushing for it as well. You know, he could have easily just um, just rolled out that third round and got the decision. Um, yeah, and he chose to get the finish. So look, there there was improvements there, but I mean. He's young. He's 22 years of age. There's a long, long way to go. I don't know how far he can get, but I wouldn't be too confident in his striking and I wouldn't be too confident and I would be worried for him if he went in there and someone was able to stuff a takedown and and and, and keep the fight standing because I think he would be very exposed on the feet. Yeah, I, I, like I think, you know, people talk about he's improved striking. He's definitely improved striking, but like, if he has someone who has good takedown defense and will strike with him, who's okay striking, he's going to get destroyed standing up. The the biggest plus point for me tonight was uh, uh, the toughness, but he also looked stronger. You know, he looked physically stronger. That is Hooper's biggest issue. His physicality, you know, his lack of athleticism. Now, athleticism in a, in a different sort of way, in a more of a strength way. Now he's very flexible and when it gets to the ground and everything like that. But... If your plan A is to be a flowy jiu-jitsu artist, you're going to get your brain smashed in in mixed martial arts. He almost did in the first round. I actually think he was out for a second in that first round. He got hit with three massive hammer fists yeah. on the ground. You Very cannot fight that way in mixed martial arts. You just cannot, especially with the body type that Chase Hooper has. You're fighting the worst fighter in the division, and that still kind of happens. It's just... It's very hard to see someone with his game plan, with his physicality, with the way he fights, actually 
improving and climbing up through the divisions. I haven't seen any clear improvements in anything really. Like no, I mean when you have when you have bad instru- when you have really bad striking and you come in and show improvements it's just yes what we're talking about was just a little bit better than bad striking yeah, you exactly. know it's still rubbish, like, <laughs> and uh, he's a, he's a, he has to grow into his body he's not full, fully grown into his body that, or that's his what he frame needs. yet that's what he needs like, a heap of bacon and cabbage that's what he needs he needs a heap of fucking steroids <laughs> but, <around> yeah <laughs> and uh, if, less skittles and more protein shakes if that happens or if he, like and i think there are signs that that the biggest sign i saw tonight was the extra bit of muscle the extra bit of strength and uh, the one thing I did like from him as well, in terms of game planning, he was just pushing forward and he was trying to put a pace on him. He was trying to use his cardio as a weapon, and I like that as well. Uh, that's the one side. People are looking for signs, right? Oh, he needs to improve his striking. He needs to do this, this, this. I really think he needs to just hang in there until that physicality improves and then use that sort to game plan where you use your wrestling, you use your jiu-jitsu, you push guys against the cage, you use your pace and win fights like that. At the moment, as you said, doing that in the UFC is very hard and it is. It's going to be it's really the, hard it's to It's the UFC's so. responsibility to match him in with guys like Kolaris who's, who's not that he's not a great fighter to be honest like he's on the the lower the lower echelon of the division like but you know you can't be putting him in there with with other more talented guys it's the UFC's responsibility now to match him and it's the UFC's responsibility not to go out there and get him killed putting him in there with a killer or a guy that can stuff his takedown and and just light him up on the feet because that was that would be my biggest fear for Chase Hooper because What you don't want to see with a young man in there that's progressing and developing as, as a fighter is going in there and taking a savage beating that could just alter his alter the rest of his life, really. We've seen 100%. it time and time again. You take such a bad beating, sometimes you might never come back the same again. Definitely. Uh, all right, we'll leave the UFC there, and for the last few minutes of the podcast here, we'll talk about a few other cards and a few other things. Uh, there was an Eagle FC card, which you alluded to earlier on, Ian. Um on the undercard of that, Roosevelt Roberts got back to winning ways here. Honey Marks got a win. Uh, Islam Mehmedov, he got a one-fight uh, exemption from Bellator, and he beat Zach Zane. Zach Zane, a lad who's been fighting fucking non-stop recently <laughs> over the last while. So he fought Mehmedov here. He fought Luis Pena in, in, uh, at the start of May in Titan. Uh, he fought in LFA earlier on in the year, and then in... January he fought like Rabzabov in Eagle FC as well and at the end of last year he fought Steven Seiler so he's been fighting all over the place fighting everyone he had he was also due to fighting that Bellator card against Tafik Musayev in uh, January, February, March, April uh, so he, this guy is he's losing all these fights to be fair apart from the Steven Seiler one but god almighty he's game to fight anyone and got destroyed here against Mehmedov uh, Ahmed Aliyev beat Daryl Harcher very very early in that first round Andrew Sanchez who I mentioned earlier got the win over Gabriel Sheko the guy who lost to Rashad Evans last time out made not light not you are even tough work of it to be honest Mackie Patola got a beautiful knockout after 30 seconds against uh, Doug Usher left hook beautiful shot Hector Lombard uh, versus Thiago Silva ended in a no contest after an illegal knee and you know I talked to Dean Barry last week I talked about it on the podcast as well and we're talking about intention and Dean Barry gets disqualified for an intentional eye poke apparently where it was in no way intentional. He wasn't holding it out like to strike, wasn't holding his fingers out in a forward-going manner uh, and gets disqualified for that. But uh, Thiago Silva throws a knee on purpose and hits an opponent in the head head when he was downed 
but it's a no contest because it's not intentional. That's a bizarre one. Now, this is the way it's all been done, but I thought the game had changed when that happened, when we were given disqualification for things like that. Seemingly not. Hector Lombard had just... Uh, sorry, uh, Thiago Silva had just hurt Hector Lombard really badly and broken his nose with a right hand, and Hector couldn't continue after that. Touching Matt Hamill's, John Jones's. And uh, there was another There's injury. always going to happen with putting those two lads in the cage, oh, though, madness. wasn't it? There's always going to be controversy surrounding madness. that. Madness. Uh, and in the main event, in Jurgen De Castro won against Junior De Santos after being absolutely destroyed for the whole fight, basically. Junior came out in the third round, won the first uh, punch you see through. He dislocated his shoulder, so JDS just dislocated shoulder and ended up losing that. De Castro is going to go on and fight for the Eagle FC title, more than likely. And maybe Junior versus... Uh, Versus Fedor. What, what do you think of it? I'm sure you saw the, the shoulder. Yeah. Junior versus Fedor, are you a fan of that one? Yeah, I'd love to see that happen. It'd be a great fight. The two of them, two of them are the legend, legends of the heavyweight division in, in whatever, I guess, Fedor in, in Pride and Bellator and, and JDS in the UFC. And yeah, it's kind of one of those fights you didn't know you wanted to see until people start talking about it. So I say make it happen. Indeed. Uh... Let's talk a little bit about next week's MMA. No UFC next week. Uh, but what we do have is two Cage Warriors cards. Now, the full cards haven't been announced yet. There are bits and pieces of them here on Tapology and in other places. I'm going to do a breakdown with Brad if my internet holds up uh, during the week. Uh, but we have three... It's going to be a four-fight uh, card on a Friday on my birthday. So thank God I won't have much MMA to watch. Um, and it's going to be Matthew Bonner coming oh where is James, James Webb is James Webb is on the Saturday sorry yeah Matthew Bonner is coming back here he's fighting Joel uh, Kuduja uh, an interesting one uh, Ian uh, Tanio Pagliariccio is fighting Benoit Blanc Pagliariccio SBG Ireland fighter fighting in a Cage Warrior show I'm not sure what what's happening there what is going on what's going what on is there? going on it's crazy oh, could this be could this be the start of something beautiful Sean I'd, I'd love it imagine oh it'd be brilliant I, I, I honestly I'm we're joking here I would love nothing more than that and I hope it happens I, I'd be fucking brilliant but anyway uh, and Omran Shaban as well is fighting Jack Dedeme. Uh, you spoke to Omran the last day. Great. Uh, go over and watch the old triangle. It's out on uh, YouTube and on all podcast apps and everything. I, I listened to that whole interview. Omran uh, seemed in good spirits. Just coming out of Ramadan as well, he was talking about and how it gave him great kind of, you know, um, it put his life kind of in order and got it to help him train. He said he was able to keep training, you know, while only being able to eat after sundown and everything like that. But a big right of fight for for Omran here coming into uh, coming into Cage Warriors for the uh, for the second time he had his debut in Cage Warriors back in 2019 obviously he had the two fights over in UAE Warriors but uh, it's a big fight for Omran big fight for Team Kev as they kind of get restarted I suppose with the Cage Warriors crew now in Team Kev yeah it is and I, I, I'm looking forward to seeing Omran in there really great guy um, lives and trains out of the uh, uh, Team KF facility in Dublin uh, and lived with Chris Fields there for a while. They've struck up a great bond. Um, you know, obviously, Chris took him in and, and he had him staying in, in his house for a while when he moved over from Finland um, to kind of dedicate his whole life to mixed martial arts, really. And, you know, Omran has sacrificed a hell of a lot and um he's living in uh, the he's living in the uh, in the, the kind of back uh, the back area of the Team KF facility there on a, a sofa bed and he's just in and out of the gym and training so hard and sacrificing a lot. So um, a real great guy, a great interview he gave on the Old Triangle 
um, with us as well. So he's going in there. And yeah, I think it's the perfect place for him. And it's exactly where he wants to be in his career. And he said that himself. Um, I think, you know, he's a very, very good fighter, excellent striking um, and obviously developing his ground game too with Tom and, and Chris at Team KF as well. So I think he's in the right place. Um, I think this was a good matchup for him, a winnable winnable fight for him as well. And um, yeah, he's one, definitely one to watch. Uh, and there's a good few guys coming out of Team KF now as well. Obviously the Shelley brothers, James Webb as well. So yeah, they're all getting their, their, their spin out in Cage Warriors and it's great to see. Indeed, yeah, 100%. Then the Saturday card, there's some real good names in that. Uh, Fasil Malik, who's 5 and all, he's on that card. Oban Elliott, my guy, is back, the, the bad guy. Uh, he's on the card. Scott Pedersen, you know, who's had it any free time, 1 and 3, but he's put on some very good performances, fought some very, very good guys. He fought over in Pelator here in Dublin against Nathan Kelly uh, and lost to him, lost to Nick ba- Bagley as well, and lost to Matthew Elliott. What a what f- three fucking fights to start off your, your uh, four-fight career. God almighty, he's not exactly getting easy ones, is he? But fair play to him, and you know, that might stand him uh, in the in the long run. Uh, Luke Shanks is fighting Josh Reed. Oh, Jesus, what a fucking fight that is. Josh Reed, never, fight. never in a boring fight. And as I mentioned, James Webb against Leon Alio. I haven't looked into Alio yet, but I will, obviously, before I, I do that preview with Brad, and we'll, uh, we'll, we'll break that down. But it's good to see uh, old Webby back, isn't it? You know, he's been... Um, you know, he's had a bit of an injury, obviously fighting out of Team KF as well, fought Matthew Bonner last time, around this time last year, actually it was about 14 months ago now at this stage, lost that fight, but it was on a two-fight win streak before that, good to see James Webb coming back and, and representing uh, representing Irish MMA, he's actually, I think he's from Colchester, isn't he, so this is a yeah, big one for him. Yeah, I think him. so, I famously called James Webb Welsh before he's been labelled Irish he's, he's actually English we should start calling him Mr. International now because he's had so many labels of where he's from I don't know I don't know <laughs> I think I just looked at a picture of him and was like ah oh, yeah he looks Welsh and I called him Welsh one time he was like I'm not Welsh <laughs> but thanks anyway but uh, it's great to see him back in there Team KF uh, Team Captain there um, in Team KF and yeah I think he's taken some time out of the cage and um, and I think that will do him good, getting the hunger back. You know, he 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 went through Killer's Row as well in in the middleweight division. You know, two fights against Natias Frederick were really grueling contests, and then two great wins over Mick Stanton and Craig White, and then another real tough fight with Matthew Bonner, who is a really really good fighter. And you know, he'll be um, James will be striving to get back at that title again. And he's more than capable of getting back in there and doing it. And and Leon Aliu is a is a great matchup for him. And I'm excited to see him get back in there and do his thing. A hundred percent. I want to ask you about your Danny Core interview over in the All Triangle as well, because that to me was very very newsworthy and noteworthy. Um, so if anyone who hasn't listened to it on, on the Old Triangle, Danny is he's working with Ulster MMA and uh, what is it? Uh, uh, he used to he don't, Ulster MMA anymore. no longer exists. Oh, yeah. so. What is it now? Yeah. MMA in Northern Ireland, is it? Well, yeah, I think so. And uh, he's been doing work on on, on both sides yes. uh, in Northern Ireland and the Republic of Ireland as well. Um, you know, uh, trying to legalize uh, and rec- get the rec- sport recognized. And um, yeah, they're kind of going through a two-pronged approach right now, but they're having much more success uh, dealing, north, dealing with it up north than mm-hmm. they are down in the Republic right now. There's a lot of hurdles and... and 
that they have to kind of jump over. So um, I think the kind of route uh, which is most likely to happen is that probably probably will be recognised in Northern Ireland first. And then I think that that would kind of prompt them to be able to do something down south as well i mean if you ha- if you haven't listened to the interview it's a very good interview yeah, oh, it's brilliant. i i it gave me a lot of what i wanted to hear to be honest some positively and some neg- negatively first of all let me say this i i remember years ago now at this stage when we were you know talking about this first and iwmwa starting up uh we were talking about kind of MMA people running this, and it really shouldn't be. It should be no. It should be MMA people who have experience in red tape and management and stuff. And he's a civil servant. He does that exact sort of thing. The way he spoke to you, I was like, Jesus Christ! There couldn't be anyone better than this man for doing it. And he seems absolutely fantastic. He's at absolutely doing the best what man. He's, he's exactly what he's exactly who you 100%. want to fight in this case. And I, um, I like the fact that you know they're they're trying. To, <laughs> <laughs> They're trying to do, a, 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 as you said, a two-pronged apro- approach. The problem with that two-pronged approach is when, as he said himself, it seems more likely up against the north. It, it seems to me, and he didn't say this, right, but it seems to me, I'm putting, I'm not putting words in his mouth or anything, it feels like they've given up on the Republic of Ireland for a while, which I, <laughs> which I, I can understand because they were seemingly going nowhere and getting nowhere, but... The fa- as he was kind of saying he alluded to in the, in the interview with he he was kind of saying we wait for it to be legalised up north and then like how can they not do it down south was the kind of thing which is a very logical way of thinking of it but Sport Ireland and all these fuckers are as illogical as anyone you could possibly get and the government in Ireland the way they do things the red tape the people have to run through is awful now you have a great man doing it there and I think he's uh, in a great spot and I, I wouldn't have anyone better doing it from listening to that and I think he's doing his best and what I, I think he's doing is very very good but it's oh it was my the God. frustration you could feel the frustration yeah I I I spoke I've spoken to Danny myself on a one-on-one as well before that and you know always very informative but it's the stuff that nobody knows what's going on and the, and the time it takes I mean he was talking about having 40 50 60 70 different policies to have to write up and stuff to get past and I think from the vibe I got from the conversation is is that you're just going around in circles with the process down in the Republic of Ireland right now and, and they've been trying for many, many years and it seems to be getting nowhere, whereas that you know, they are making more progress up north and they're very they're a lot more responsive up north and, and, and he said that himself so I think you know, I asked him straight out I was like, if you could give me a timeline on when he thinks that it would be uh, recognized he he was confident enough of staying at the end of this year so yeah. it'll be interesting to see if that happens or if it doesn't happen <laughs> I, uh, yeah i would be highly highly doubtful of that to be honest i hope he's right i hope i hope he's right and like the, the biggest issue as well with oh we'll get it done in northern ireland they can put on shows now in northern ireland and i know okay you could say it doesn't have the, the, the recognition and the funding and all of that but they don't have to have the expense of putting on shows at Cage Legacy in order to put them on in the Republic of Ireland have right now. We're needing, you know, Code Blue and we're needing all that. And I'm not saying you shouldn't need that. I'm not saying it's better or worse. I'm saying that's what it's like. And that's and what that's the problem right now. I think exactly. like we spoke, um, maybe it was to Chris Fields on the Old Triangle as well, and he kind of alluded to that as well. And, you know, we brought up that topic of conversation a few times. You know, it's it's very 
it's more cost effective to put up put on shows up in the north now than it is down down south because I mean none of these shows are 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 like oozing in money like and you know you have to pay for all your safety and you have to pay for doctors you have to like get a f- they have to kind of like have a full health and safety team set up with ambulances and doctors and everything like that that costs money and also in a lot of places too they can't afford to be sending three or four ambulances to one area in one night as well so that kind of limits where you can put on a show in the republic as well but there's loads of it seems like in putting on shows everything seems to be just like they're they want to try and make it as difficult as possible and it's frustrating because it's understandable but it's frustrating at the same time because we want to have these shows down in the republic you want to give the fighters the opportunity to fight on those shows and you know we're not allowing them to do that and you know it's, it's people like danny and and tim murphy and everyone at ima right now that are working really hard behind the scenes and you know however frustrating it is for us it must be a hell of a lot more frustrating for them who are the guys that are putting in the hard work but Hopefully, hopefully, hopefully something happens soon because, um, you know, it's going to be so important. And, you know, I, the regulation is just going to be one thing. What comes after it is going to be a, a whole Massive, new kettle yeah. of fish. Yeah. I remember saying that exact same thing maybe five years ago on this podcast. And it's like, well, it's what comes after it. It's a, but sure, look, we, ha- we haven't got after it because we're still fucking before it at the moment. But hopefully, uh, you know, as you said, hopefully it, it changes. Um. A couple more things before we go. KSW have a card next week. Marius Pudzianowski is taking on Mikhail Mitella. What a fucking fight that's going to be. I'm sure Sean Nini will have the breakdown of that over in Severe May. Uh, there's some other good fighters on as well. Lucas Rakowski is on that card. And uh, Tommy Quinn is back. I know you talked about that in the old triangle as well. And Jeremy Stevens versus Miles Price. Ian, I know you're uh, been friends with Miles Price for a long time. Came up on the scene with him in the same sort of area over there, and took Kenny Min, you know, great hurling country. Um, good to see Miles getting another big fight. And you know, it was funny. We were talking last week, and you were talking on uh, on the. Were you talking on the Ultra? I think you were talking on the Ultra Angle about about you know it was a it was a nervy start. He was out for a long time. Maybe the kind of the the mental side of it got to him a little bit. The fact he's a quick turnaround and he's another massive opportunity against another massive name is maybe mana for heaven for someone like Miles Bryce. You know, you could look at another way and say, ah, oh, geez, they're giving him the toughest fucking yeah, possible matchups. But in, in, in ways, it's kind of out with a frying pan and into the fire exactly. for him. <laughs> but you know, that's good. And he like I I. I spoke with him after the fight and, you know, he did say, yeah, it was the time out of the cage. Uh, he didn't settle into the fight. He rushed to take down. You know, he knows you're not going to meet a more honest person uh, than Miles in, in his own self-assessment. And like, you know, we, we say it time and time again, Sean, you know, the fight game is delusional and you have to be delusional at sometimes to kind of get to where you need to be. But, you know, Miles was always, always a guy who was honest in defeat, honest when he wins one's fight. He he knows what he needs to do, is very in tune with the kind of psychological and the mentality side of mixed martial arts and fighting as well. So, you know, he made an honest assessment. He, he released a post on Instagram pretty much saying the same thing as well. So he doesn't have to dwell on it too much. It's straight back at it. And he's going in there again in another five weeks against Jeremy Stevens. And he has the opportunity to put that all in the, in the rear view mirror. So it's great to see, um, you know, it'll be, it'll be a tough fight for him again, but you know, I think he'll be, I, I'd be confident in, in saying that, um, he 
he should be able to go in there and put on a better better showing because you know getting that one out of the way for Pettis getting back in there now he's kind of keeping into the routine of staying in camp and staying in shape and I think that's that that'll help him especially at this stage of his career and you know rather than dwelling on it or trying to figure out what went wrong against Pettis now he has the chance to go in there and right the wrongs against someone like Jeremy Stevens and and it's going to be a great fight and I'm excited to see it. Well said, well said. It's a, do you know what? I think it's actually a tougher fight than the Pettis fight, oddly enough. Yeah, I think, but, yeah, yeah. like Jeremy Stevens and Collard was a, like, you know, you're getting yourself in there and you're going to be in, you're going to be in a fucking fight with Jeremy Stevens yeah, and there's no ifs, ands or buts about that. So oh. let's see. It's, uh, he has the opportunity to go in there. It's great to see him and see him active for someone who hasn't been fighting for so long and had been out of the cage for so long. Uh, it's great to see him getting such a quick turnaround and, you know, some, you know, some of the fighters who unfortunately are in Bellator having to leave Bellator because yeah, they're only getting guaranteed two fights per year one in February and one in September whenever they come around so it's good to see that the PFL are giving these guys quick turnarounds I mean I know they have the on and the off seasons but you know you are getting those quick turnarounds you're talking yeah. five six weeks in between fights and, and that's good beautiful indeed right uh, we will leave it there we were going to talk about Canelo versus Usman but who gives a fuck about that let's be honest we'll, we'll leave Frosty. it there <laughs> well, give it, if you wanted a rant about it you uh, give, us two, uh, give us a two minute rant uh, I don't know I just think it it's makes stupid like what do we, what do we <laughs> want like it's even more stupid right now yeah because Canelo is lost. So bad. Yeah, it makes Usman yeah. look so bad. He's uh, look. We know what he's doing. He's trying to get money, but like he already did that against Masvidal, right? Twice, and he already did it against Covington the second time. It's like, can you fucking stop? Can you just be like the best fighter in the world? Have a few more fights, and then maybe do it again down the line or something. But like, it, it just it, sickens <sighs> me that all the all of our top fighters now have sad. to do this because it, it belittles ethnic martial arts and the fact of the matter is because the UFC aren't paying them enough money that's the that's the core of the issue here right now they cannot make the money that they deserve to be making with the UFC so they have to go over to boxing and they have to call out these these boxers and um, talk bullshit saying that you're going to you, there's not a fucking chance that he goes in there no, and does no, anything against Canelo it's not great in, it's great if you get it like and you get the money but who has got yeah, it I right? want him to get paid yeah I want him and I want, any, I want all the though. fighters to get paid no. Conor McGregor has got it and no one else has maybe Ngannou will get it because he's threatening to leave the UFC and even then Tyson Fury's only using him to make contract money. now as well though exactly yeah so may, maybe he will but still even him pro- probably not may, maybe like but McGregor's only one that was five years ago who else has done it okay a lad like Anderson Silva when he got out of contract and other lads Clay Collard when he was out of contract and others but it's it's just not happening and what you are in a position where you're the pound for pound number one fighter in the world and you're going around acting like you're just wanting the crumbs off of some other sport which as I said again is fine if you get the fight but you know you're not going to you know the fight is not going to happen so why not concentrate on being the best the biggest the toughest in your own sport building up your name and you building need to up start an focusing aura on Leon Edwards now as yeah, well yeah exactly and but the, I think the biggest problem here is the, he's losing that aura you can say what you want about John Jones when he was there, when he was pound for pound king, he had that aura. Like Demetrius Johnson had his aura in a certain way. Habib had his aura that no one could fucking beat him. 
uh, Usman, it feels like he's losing that aura second by second, even though he's fantastic, even though I think he's probably the pound-for-pound number one fighter in the world right now, but he's just losing it by, by this shit over and over and over. He needs to stop. He just needs to stop this shit. Yeah, he needs to stop listening to Ali. That's because he's been the manufacturer of all this nonsense, to be honest. And yeah, I just don't like seeing it. I want to see, I want to celebrate how great a mixed martial artist that he is. And it's the same with Ngano. I want to see Ngano going in there and fighting Jones and fighting all these new up and comers and Tom Aspinall. I don't want to fucking see him fight Fury and I don't want to see Usman fight Canelo. The fights mean nothing to me. They're not competitive, they're stupid. We just need to pay these guys more money keep them where they are keep them happy and then we can enjoy them for 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 the mixed martial artists that they are boom right we leave it there thanks everybody for listening follow him over on twitter at i o'neill mma don't bother follow me follow at severe medpod at severe mma as well i'm actually coming up now i'm nearly i'm close enough to severe man i'm gonna pass him out and follow us very nice soon, so. hit hit, yeah. uh, hit up the Owl triangle podcast yes. too uh go and look at it on youtube myself andy stevenson and quilcha you know we love doing the podcast talking all things irish mma we have guests on we cover the scene even if you're not from ireland you know, it's a great way to kind of keep in touch with the scene and see what up and coming fighters are, when you're are me coming on. up through the ranks. Oh, we'll get you on soon oh, enough. We want to we want to make you want it, Sean. We want to make you want it, but nine episodes in, I'll be getting filtered soon now for fuck's sake. Jesus, I don't want to <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll, 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 wait, we'll wait until you have an upcoming fight or something. Yeah, for you, you never know the fucking amount of people calling me on Twitter. Am I now? You never know. You never know, Sean. We leave it there. Just before I go, I'll strangle on Spotify. Give us. A five star uh, rating. Oh, come on, have you not got enough? I'm going to plug the shit out of it, Sean. They know the old triangle. All right, look it up wherever you get it. Fucking subscribe. Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) Sign up on Patreon too, lads. We need need that sweet money. We need it. But uh, yeah, YouTube, I like. I listened to it the last day and it was great, but I also kind of felt I was missing out a bit now watching on YouTube. Do you ever get that? I like ah, ah uh, no, you do because yeah. Omran Omran came on Omran, and gave yeah, us a kind of a, bit. Yeah, like, a little bit of a uh, MTV Cribs kind of style of a tour of his digs and stuff, and you just don't get the true picture of it you um, uh, when you you're have just to look at Andy Stevenson's face star as well. You know, you win some, you lose some. These things happen at ever ever. Right, go on. We'll go away from me, lads. Thanks everyone for listening. See you all next time. Good luck.